Welcome, everyone. I really enjoy the uh, the five minutes that begin the recording uh, before we even uh, begin speaking at all or doing uh, what we would call our, our sitting together, the formal meditation time. It's an interesting concentration practice to just sit and look at the little green dot which is the camera. But I know that it's uh, a portal into each of the spaces in which you sit as you look back. Uh, so I don't feel like I'm sitting alone. Uh, so I hope that you enjoy that as well. We'll begin our uh, a more structured uh, bit of sitting now for five minutes. So if you would Organize yourselves uh, and both uh, relaxed and stable and upright for zazen. Uh, nothing rigid, um, but also, um, you know, it's not, not too tight, not too loose, but upright and uh, offering yourself to the moment. As you settle and others join us silently, just as I mentioned, sitting quietly before our meditation, before the beginning of our formal time of connection at inquiry and, and zazen. that I was looking at the camera, unable to see anyone else, but I see the entryway. It's the orientation of turning toward each other that I hope that you would now turn your attention toward. It's an orientation of turning ourselves toward each other. And in this case, we have a doorway, a window, which is called a computer screen or an iPad or a phone. 
rather than a flat, almost magical device, think of it as a, a window. So as we sit in meditation, sit in zazen, we're facing this doorway or this window, this opening to each other, this turning toward each other. And what's reflected back is something deeply about ourselves and about our humanity that's shared. The great photographer, Minor White, in speaking about the transformational process in photography, said we're, we're left with windows and mirrors. As we peer out toward our subject and then are reflected back to ourselves. And so it is with each other even in the silent sitting, even as we face our device that allows us to orient to each other, which is so immensely, immensely necessary at this time. And as we align our bodies and our hearts and our minds, as we intentionally focus our intention to turn to each other, I'll ring the bell to end our sitting time. And then the verse of the robe reminds us of what has turned, where we have turned, how we're connected, and the transformational capacity of that orientation. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. 
wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. It's wonderful to be with you again. This weekend, as I began to think about um, what I might offer today, and often it's not exactly, uh, you might imagine, exactly a thinking about, um, but it's an opening to see what arrives what wants to be reflected on, spoken about, in, invited. And I thought it might be useful, and maybe it's what I needed, to speak about this turning toward each other in the most simple and direct way possible not in an ancient Chinese or Japanese way, nothing that is um, esoteric or uh, difficult to understand. Uh, not that that's ever our, our hope, but, but something that's very, very simple. The things that I, I'm going to speak about as our prompts today are things you understand and know really, really well. And it's always important to remember why we're doing this, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> why I even take the time to say a few words in the beginning, because it is hopefully an invitation uh, to call forward what's in you that wants to be met. Maybe it calls forward an aspiration uh, to express something or to ask something. We call these um, uh, times inquiry because it's a, a deepening of our understanding or a deepening of our questioning or, or just simply a uh, walking deeper into the lives that we appreciate and the lives that we don't understand. And we're not meant to fully understand. We, we are meant to live out as fully as we can. So these are uh, the reasons that I say a few things, not to teach you Buddhism or to make you a Zen student or anything like that, but to offer ways for us to move together in a world that's more uh, whole, wholehearted, um, more in alignment with basic goodness and wakefulness to help us wake up to who and what we actually are. I have uh, some visuals for you because sometimes that is useful. So I'm going to share my screen uh, with you. <clears throat> uh, 
And this is, of course, the, uh, the emphasis uh, that I encouraged in our sitting this morning, or I say morning for me <laughs> today. The brief time of sitting, I think, is really important in the beginning in the ways that I, I mentioned, because it allows us to settle, uh, to come together, and to orient ourselves, turn ourselves, uh, and align ourselves toward uh, what's true and what's good. I think that there are a number of people who... Um, and I've, I've heard this, um, not just my guests, who will think, well, I don't have to really come online until five minutes after because you're just sitting anyway. And then we get to quote the real stuff. But actually, it's important to come on a little bit ahead or in the beginning of our sitting because the sitting itself is so essential. It's the deeper teaching and the silence and the stillness. And sometimes I offer small teachings or instructions there. But ultimately, it's just a time to turn to one another. And turning toward one another, I've borrowed this from um, Margaret Wheatley, Meg Wheatley, in a book that she published by that title, the subtitle, is simple conversations to restore hope to the future. Once again, I began to allow these things to come forward in me in the weekend. And then yesterday, at least here in the United States, I know some of you are listening from other places, as the first of our uh, political conventions began yesterday, Suddenly I heard an echo or a resonance of these things and how crucial this might be. But I, I, I didn't uh, construct this in response to that at all. It was completely independent. Or was it? Well, we'll see. In case you're curious, um, the small book, uh, Simple Conversations to Restore Hope to the Future, is full of actual activities that one can do. And Margaret Wheatley says, I believe we can change the world if we start talking to one another again. Remember, this book was published in 2009, 11 years ago. But that statement is so crucial right now in our world, no matter where you live, and no matter what the political, environmental, social situation, and how crucial it is that we begin to make changes by talking to one another again, to bridge divides. But this is always the case. This is always our work. And it's the foundation of our practice of coming together as spiritual friends to turn toward each other and support each other. Uh, Margaret Wheatley, who you see here, is a wonderful woman. She's in her 70s as primarily an organizational consultant. 
Uh, and yet she speaks from a, a, a deeper a deeper place. I had the great fortune just to meet her briefly when I was teaching at the Cape Cod Summer Institute a couple of summers ago, when she was teaching in the same week I, I was teaching. And I love uh, this quotation from one of her other books. And once again, I came across this well before I thought anything about the political conventions. Sane leadership, she says, sane leadership, sane leadership is the unshakable faith in people's capacity to be generous, creative, and kind. So there's an unshakable faith in people's capacities. And then it's a commitment to create the conditions for these capacities to blossom, protected from the external environment. A commitment to create conditions for our most beautiful capacities to blossom with the sense of protection and care. And it's the deep knowing that even in the most desire most dire, excuse me, dire circumstances, more becomes possible as people engage together with compassion and discernment, self-determining their way forward. It's the deep knowing, it's the deep knowledge, the understanding that even in the most desire circumstances, climate change, social justice, pandemic, division and culture, the deterioration of social discourse, more becomes possible as people engage together with compassion and discernment. We say compassion and wisdom, self-determining their forward moving movement. But self-determining, remember, doesn't mean individual. It means the larger self. It means all of us. So who do we choose to be? Uh, this quotation comes from that book, a different book. And she speaks of um, what, um, excuse me, I'm, for some reason I'm not going forward here. I apologize, for some reason I've frozen up. Let's see if we can do it again. Here we go. So she asked in the book, what has she learned after all these many, many years of working? And so I'm gonna show you the list of things that she thought she had learned. Very simple, things that you know, and yet things that are reflective are, are um, our Dharma practice. First learning. People are the solution to the problems that confront us. Technology is not the solution, although it can help. We are the solution. We as generous, open-hearted people who want to use our creativity and caring on behalf of other human beings in all of life We are the resource using our tools 
as I was putting this together, as you know, I like to share images, not, not for the image sake, but just as a way to help deepen maybe the, the idea. And I came across this image from a number of years ago when Donna Martin, my great friend, and I were teaching in, in Mexico. And we had in the waning light of the evening, uh, she was checking with her loved ones and family. Technology was a bridge, but the embodied relationship of people is what we were teaching each day. Helping us be generous, open-hearted, and bringing our creativity to bear. Opening our caring on behalf of other human beings and all of life. Using our creativity and caring on behalf of others. We forget that people are incalculable resources. There's no way to understand how beautiful and wonderful human beings are when they're brought together. And that people want to be called to their best. What is our best? Well, actually, that's the first refuge. Taking refuge in Buddha. Taking refuge in our own true nature. Our own deepest, basic goodness and sanity. Certainly, we take refuge in uh, all the Buddhas around us and the Buddhas of the past. But that only matters if we realize that our orientation, our alignment with our own true nature, is where we begin to touch the world in this way. Margaret Wheatley's second learning, relationships are all there is. Everything in the universe only exists because it is in relationship to everything else. Nothing exists in isolation. We have to stop pretending we're individuals who can go out alone. Joe Quebec once said, there's nothing but relationships. And of course, this is the primary insight of the Buddha. Mutual causality, that everything arises in response to everything else. Not just human relationships. Everything is nothing but a relationship. And when we begin to understand that, and know that our okayness and our survival depends on everything else, we know that we're taking refuge in Dharma. The true way that things actually work. The essential teaching and, and wakeful insight of the Buddha. The Dharma only comes through relationship, an understanding relationship, through the interconnected web of relationship. And this is what we turn toward as we align to our deepest nature and to each other. She says, thirdly, you know, we as humans want to be together. We only isolate when we're hurt by others. But alone is not our natural state. And today we live in an unnatural state, separating ourselves rather than being together. Remember, once again, this was stated 11, 12 years ago, however long ago she wrote this. We only isolate when we're hurt by others. And there's so much hurt right now. And that's an unnatural way of being. Our brains are evolved and developed so that we can resonate. That's the turning and aligning ourselves. Because that resonance through our nervous system, as we see each other, touch each other, speak to each other, we can emotionally regulate. We're in a situation now where we are actually dysregulated because we're not connected in that kind of safe, warm resonance. 
but that resonance with each other helps us regulate and then helps us change if we want to make some change. Helps us move forward in a creative way. Many of you remember the three questions that come with this kind of understanding in our prefrontal cortex. It's asking, are you there? Is there someone there that we can reach out to? Does that person hear me or, or see me? And do they choose me? Do they love me? Can I really attune to another? Can I really attach deeply? And will I be cared for and protected? And this, of course, reminds us to take refuge in Sangha. That this is the container in which we're held, always, bringing harmony to everyone, free from hindrance. Meg Wheatley's next learning, we become hopeful when someone tells the truth. I don't know why this is, but I experience it often. These days, politically, <laughs> the second one is like a joke. Um, of course, when we hear people who tell the truth and who speak clearly and with heart and with care. I was looking at this, this image that I came across and I love the way that once again, my friend Donna just gently leans over and I imagine she's speaking something to her truth to Margaret. And we become hopeful when we can tell the truth to each other. One of my teachers used to say, there's nothing more erotic than the truth. And they didn't mean sexuality. There's nothing more alive than truthfulness. No truth without love, no love without truth. The precepts invite us. We're not seeing your screen. Could you share your screen? Hold on a second. Did it go away? There we go. Thank you. Is it back now? No, I see just a blank. I, I wonder I'm so sorry. Try I think I know. No, I think I know what's wrong. You see me now? Just you. Okay. Okay, I see it. Would you mind backing up about four slides? Is that it? Should I go from here? Don't mind, take it back a few okay. slides. Thank you. Did people get this one? Yes, we can see. We can yeah. see now. The relationships are the basic inside of the Buddha. Everything is connected which is an expression of taking refuge in Dharma, the actual reality of, um, of the way everything comes into existence. Nothing exists in isolation. And then the next slide, that we want to be together, that we only isolate when we're hurt, 
And that's an unnatural state for human beings because we're set to resonate with each other, which helps us regulate our emotions and make changes if we wish. If we realize there's someone there that can meet us and hear us and understand us and love us, choose us, which is the foundation of taking refuge in Sangha. We become hopeful when someone tells the truth, and this has been distorted so much recently, but our precepts give us a guide about how to become more, more hopeful based on an ethical viewpoint of being truthful with each other, being generous, avoiding harm, maintaining a clear mind, and respecting sexual energy. Just basic care for each other. And then Meg says, truly connecting with another human being gives us joy. The circumstances that create this connection don't matter. Even those who work side by side in the worst natural disaster or crisis recall that experience as memorable. They're surprised to feel joy in the midst of tragedy, and they always do. I hope that as we pass through this pandemic and some of the other challenges that will feel some of that joy because we, we held together. This is a very, uh, an old image from years ago and my great friend Carrie Tate had just come from a surgery and even though the circumstances were uh, not the best at least, uh, but things had worked out and being close together brings us such great joy. And it's described in the Brahma Viharas of the Four Immeasurables that when we're close, when we're connected, we do naturally open to a kind of unconditional friendliness, this loving kindness. The compassion of caring for another because they feel some discomfort or, or suffering, turning toward them in their suffering. The kind of balance through practice that comes so we can stay steady in the midst of these things and the joy of their happiness. Another learning, we have to slow down. Nothing will change for the better until we do. We need time to think, learn, to get to know each other. We're losing these great human capacities in the speed up of modern life and is literally killing us. Now the pandemic, of course, is slowing us down. We hope that's not our modality, but it is maybe teaching us something at times. Practice does that same thing, that time right now in some ways is our greatest lost commodity in our sped up world. And in my TEDx talk, the theme that I emphasized was the need to pause to deeply reflect and then connect. These are the issues that we're speaking about here in practice. As we take refuge in our own nature, as we take refuge in the way things actually work, take refuge in our turning toward each other in a way that's ethical and kind. And finally, she says the cure for despair is not hope is discovering that we want to do something we care about. And what about the kids? What about our own childlike nature? 
What is it that we care about? Where do we want to put our energies? What is our deepest aspiration? What are we called to do? And then what are the skillful means for the expression of that aspiration? We can have deep aspirations and not know how to express them. Or we can get busy trying to do things that aren't skillful. Because what ties these together is vow. How do we find a way to offer ourselves most deeply so that our inmost request, as Suzuki Roshi called it, our aspiration, is then expressed through skillful means, which requires turning toward each other and practice. So I think I'll stop there. And once again, I apologize for uh, the difficulty that um, that I caused by changing one of the settings. And so maybe it's time for us to speak together. Anything that you have to uh, to ask about or express, I'd love to to talk to you. Hello, Karen. Hi. As you had your hand up very early. I really did, didn't I? I tell you why, Flynn, is because I listened to um, one of your inquiries from a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't managed to join you on a Tuesday afternoon for sure. a while. I realize it's quite dark in here, but um, okay. I won't get up now. It's okay. And, and, and that was what, uh, so I have a question related to that, but I guess I think all one dharma yeah exactly and the question is around um my yoga practice Mm -hmm. and how that sits alongside my zen practice um because Mm -hmm. i've heard you a couple of times kind of compare the yogic breath with the zen meditation that we do and uh and i made a yeah and what I notice in myself when I hear you talking about yoga or yogic breath, you don't necessarily talk about yoga practice, no. but I notice a slight defensiveness in me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad <laughs> and, you're bringing it up. And, um, and I guess, you know, it made me want to kind of have a conversation with you about it so that I can. I think, I, I mean, I've mentioned this in the past to, to Josh. And he said, oh, that would be a great practice, but that would be a great question for Flynn. And I've just never, you know, it's never kind of been important enough. Yeah, let me be a little more clear. When I I make the contrast, I'm not talking about yoga at all. I use it as a modifier, is that meditation sometimes is a yogic activity, meaning Uh it's a good, wholesome, effective limb of yoga which is dhyana, meditation. And mm-hmm. it's perfectly wonderful, along with other yogic practices. All I'm saying is zazen isn't that. And that doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's just a different thing. And the distinction is really, thing. really important. Uh, the Buddha mm. practiced yoga. 
I mean, he was a Hindu in Northern India at that time. Of course he practiced yoga. Um, and you I know, I never there, thought about that, but, and you know, Donna Martin, of course, in our Hikomi, uh, she's a yoga teacher and I teach with oh, her. See, I didn't, I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah. These body practices are essential and wholesome and good. I only use it uh, because people understand that some of the yogic practices are things that you, you cultivate skill to develop an outcome. And those outcomes are good and useful and wholesome. It's just that Zazen is a little bit different thing. Okay. okay. Uh, we're sitting to express and celebrate something that is already done. Yeah. Which is in the middle of every asana, at the center of every breath. Mm. All we're doing is penetrating that space at the center of every one of those activities, rather than emphasizing the activity. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I, I asked you. <laughs> um, I just took that extra little breath there when you let it land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is an example of the resonance as we connect, and the emotional regulation that happens in yeah, the absolutely. That's required. That's exactly absolutely. what we're talking about. Yeah. If we can turn toward each other. Yeah. And I really wanted to turn towards you with that question. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely to see you, Flint. To be well. And I will. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Uh-huh. We're going from up north to further south. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like you're in a lovely natural environment. Yeah, I am. I'm in a really gorgeous cemetery park near my house. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. What is on your mind and heart today? Um... I feel a bit lost in my practice. Mm -hmm. oh, I've been feeling like this for a while. And it was helpful you talking about the turning towards. And I kind of, I've known, I know I'm turning away from feeling pain at the moment, painful emotions. And I don't really know what they're about. And I, I keep, can't get myself to turn towards them because I'm so blended in and then I'm like oh turn towards the part that doesn't want to turn towards and I kind yes. of can't do that either and then I'm like oh turn towards the lost feeling and I kind of can't quite do that either um and I'm not sitting I can't get myself to come and sit and on the occasions that I do I feel relief but I just have this big resistance to doing it. And I feel, yeah, I'm just a little bit lost. And, and what do you notice right now as you say these things and see me on the screen? You notice anything? Yeah, I feel, um, I feel teary. 
and I feel a bit more present with the feelings a bit more connected and it feel and that feels vulnerable it, that's what I was seeing on your face there was something so you are turning toward we're turning toward each other now and you're realizing that something begins to move or or shift and there's something for lack of a better word good happening in that and sometimes during difficult times for me, and I know for others, that's about all that we can do. There, there are times when sitting is difficult and maybe even not the best thing to do. Maybe sometimes it's best to walk outside like you've done and feel your feet on the earth and see the trees and the birds and feel the wind in your hair. Uh, and maybe take and uh, do walking meditation to feel yourself moving and alive and embodied and connected uh, with so much uh, isolation right now and so much separation a sitting feels like more isolation and separation sometimes mm -hmm. to some people in your body and so even if you're not connected to feel vitality flowing and movement in the earth can feel very rejuvenating so Enjoy that. And then if you're able to reach out, even just to one person, you may not feel like much, but this is sort of like taking your medicine, you know, it may not feel very good to do it. It's the inertia to get over that hump. Because once you, you raised your hand and then you came online and then with just a brief connection, you began to feel something moving. It doesn't have to be big. And you remember the four... Uh, noble postures the Buddha said for meditation, standing, walking, sitting, lying down. <laughs> uh, open up the capacity right now for your practice. So you feel less a sense of practices like this and I'm failing it. Mm. Practices like this and I'm engaging it. Let it open up, Claire. Maybe that will help your heart open and your body open and your mind open a little bit more. It's nice to watch the train go by. <laughs> yeah. Because it looks like it's going through your head. It's like all the <laughs> thoughts and things that go through, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I only say this because it's the other thing that's important. We have to laugh and have a little fun because things are not so much fun these days in some ways so find uh, things that uh, bring you joy one of the ways that i've been doing it with some of my groups is we'll uh, share music which brings us both joy and tears sometimes at the same time because it moves us we need it's almost like things are stuck or condensed we need to get things moving so I hope this has gotten you maybe moving a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's really helpful. Thank Good. you. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I think there are nearly 80 people offering their hearts to you right now. And, and take all of their care with you.
Hi, can you see me? I can now. Hi, Alistair. Hi. <laughs> We're moving around the UK with great speed here. <laughs> sure we are, aren't we? Huh? <laughs> Greeting you in the morning in Hawaii, huh? Yes, yes. Oh, well, I was welling up when I was listening just before there. Um, what was touching you? Just the openness and the vulnerability, you know? Mm -hmm. I do know, yeah. yeah. And how powerful that is. Even, easy, even as I was stumbling through some of the technology. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. What I was doing is I can see the little square of myself on the corner. Yeah, yeah. There's a way for me to minimize it because I wanted myself to fall away and I could just focus. But when I did, it makes my screen go away and I didn't realize that. Ah. Uh, and so it's an interesting teaching. I have to let myself remain in the equation if I'm going to connect. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not about myself dropping away, even though I'm dropping away self-centeredness, but I have to actually remain fully there or I can't share what I'm trying to share. So it was an interesting little glitch that I learned something from. Yeah, that's powerful, huh? Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of a session when I was training with Donna in about 2004. And, um, and it was about really getting in the water of the other person. Mm -hmm. And really just that, that real, that activity, that real intention of like essentially turning towards, but it's a real, um, a real waking up to do that. That's right. That's right. And you know, when I'm tired, it's harder to do that. <laughs> Right, and that's why the thing about resting and taking time and slowing down is helpful. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, COVID's been very frenetic because of some of the things that happened that I've, in my own self-centered dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it were a relationship. And I think that's one that, that brings me kind of to the question. Mm -hmm. Um. And I'm kind of holding two things in, in the hand because I, whilst I'm saying the self-centered dream, I'm also kind of recognizing my fleshy human limitation. Mm -hmm. And, and I kind of allowing, allowing it, you know, no, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not bypassing it or minimizing it or criticizing it or judging it yeah 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 mm -hmm. and so so um so this brings you to your question yeah yeah one of the ways of kind of dealing with a lot of this i've had i think i'd say i've had a kind of a ptsd response to some stuff because it's been very physical and uh I've been shaky. It was uh, a time where I didn't sleep for a whole week. So it was kind of really, really just a deep 
sense of anxiety. But, um, but I mean, I, I try to maintain all my practices to try and regulate, but n being isolated was obviously a real, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> there's a limit to what you can do on your own to some degree. You can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps until long. Yeah, and 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 meeting people whilst is wonderful. It's not the same as somebody being next to you with an arm around you, like right. you've been, you know, tugged out of the ocean and you're shivering. Yeah, but I, I suppose one of the things at, at which it, it's a kind of perennial question for me at times, and it's the other, the, I suppose, the other. Other part, another part of me, which is quite, I don't know, it takes up time, and that's me, the musician me. Mm -hmm. And I think some of what I've been doing as a kind of a bloodletting is writing songs about this grief that's happened. And I'm just kind of curious about that in relation to practice, because, you know, I look at quite a lot of the darkness in the songs and I'm not necessarily kind. I try to be truthful, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily equate with kindness at times. Well, I think every artist, and I've spoken to several people who were either musicians or graphic artists in some way, fine artists or photographers, your artistic expression and your vehicle for creativity is a beautiful way to metabolize this time and the things that are moving in it. But that means you have to digest and metabolize everything, the nourishing, beautiful parts and the toxins. Yeah. And you have to detoxify the poisons as well as take in the nourishment. And so if your music can be a channel for you to navigate those difficult things, and that's fantastic. Not all of it you will share, not all of it will uh, be something that's for others, but it's for you and it's your practice. Like writers often, I remember Natalie Goldberg, who's quite famous for this, or a writer, and Katagiri Roshi let her know that, you know, writing was her practice, that was her deep practice. And so it could be that uh, music might be your practice because it's a way that you stay with whether you share it or not, because it's the way that helps you move your energies forward in a way that's wholesome and good. So please continue it. Thanks. Thank you. I'm welling up. It's good to hear because it's a, it is a doubt I have, you know. Yeah. Now go, go deeper, Alistair, not, don't pull away from the music. Thank you. Let it show you the way. Can I and just when I, then when I'm there next time when I can finally come? Yeah, play me a song. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you, Alistair. Okay, I guess. We These ways of artistic expression are really important. 
ways of letting our hearts and bodies and minds move through these difficult times. Hi, Flint. Hello. Hi. Um, thank you for the turning towards focus today because um, it wasn't on my mind, but in the five minutes where we uh, sat together, I realized, and I'm, I'm welling up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the day for crying. Yeah. Um, that it was so much easier to um, be in the moment with the group. Yes. Than it has been in my daily practice. I mean, I'm doing it and I do get there. Um, but there was no, you know, thoughts or, you know, projects or the things that interrupt me generally with my personal practice. It just wasn't there. It makes a real so difference thank, with other people, doesn't it? Yeah. Even, really, if it's even if it's virtual, it makes a big difference. I felt it. And I, and I think it was the holding the holding set yeah. for me, for me personally, I know that that's really resonates for me. That's so. good. And it's also why I decided to use some words during our sitting instead of just silence is I wanted to feel like there was an outstretched hand helping you walk through a little bit. And that helped. That helped. It was, it was certainly our topic, but you know, maybe I needed it. So I offered it. No, it really, I felt it. So thank you. Thank you wonderful, for that. Wonderful. It's good to see you and hear you. You too. Thank, thank you. It's so strange that the tiny little green light, at least that's what's on my camera, is such a, a portal to so many lovely people. And it's like a heart, mm -hmm. heart connection. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Flint. It's good to see you. It's been a while. It's good to see you uh, looking energized. You feeling well? I'm getting there. I'm still counting the days and I'm still getting support, but sure. the internet is a marvelous thing. Well, I'm glad that you're recovering. Thank you. And what I was thinking about is I, I, it's about the very first slide that you brought up. The first slide? Yeah. There was something in it that I couldn't quite grasp and I'm going to paraphrase and it was something okay. like, um, uh, protect protection from external environment. Could you say a right, bit more right. what that meant, please? I, you know, my, I, I don't know what she meant exactly, of course, but my understanding from reading her work is that, um, and this, that was the slide about leadership, saying leadership. Yes. And I think what it said is if you're a leader, part of your job is to make sure the people that you're leading have a sense of being held, of being uh feel like they're protected not protected like i mean you can't protect everybody from everything but the, yeah but things were 
uh, in accord with their best interests and that they were being supported and encouraged in some way and that you would do whatever you could to stop interference with their best work things like that okay okay that that that's that's it that's all i needed thank you that yeah. it was just that because you were emphasizing other parts and it was that bit that just didn't click sure. it's clicked now and i had to think about that when i chose the quote because i thought it did kind of raise something for me as well but if yeah. you think about um in our country certainly in your country are the same mm. what what are the organizations is it what are the, are the leaders saying and are they they can't protect us from everything literally but are they offering a protective environment where we feel like we're together trying to go towards the good you know that's not in real evidence sometimes these days so i, th I think that would maybe characterize some of the things that you're seeing yeah that's that's helpful because it just sounded like a bit of togetherness but isolation but now you've actually right, brought right. it together that makes sense yeah. to me. it's together in the way that we uh come together and we're protected by our togetherness yes yeah that makes sense thank you very much and it's lovely to see you to thank see you. you thank you nice to enjoy these little moments of zazen between some of these people are coming from great distances hello flint i don't know who's next but if there's no one before me yeah, i'd like to sure. say hello hello where are you hello. coming from i'm coming from austin texas austin. okay great yes and i've only met you once Oh. Yes, I remember your face, but we haven't spent much time together or anything. No, it was um, during an intensive at Appamata. Yes. Uh -huh. And I was quite the unruly little Buddha oh, every time I went in to talk with you. <laughs> and, uh, and you left me with a message that I've held over these past two years because for the vast majority of my life, it mattered not to me if I lived or didn't live. Mm -hmm. And you said to me, hang on to the love you feel for others. Mm -hmm. You know, if because I, I can feel a lot of love toward yeah. others, it's just the return love I had mm -hmm. problems with. So I have been practicing that since, since we last met and feel both sides of it now. Good. And and so i must say about this little virus that it's been one tremendous little buddha for me mm. because as i was returning from hawaii late february early march and um and this pandemic was starting to hit the united states fairly strong yeah i got that spark of just loving this precious life yes and it was your message that fed that over the years. So I just wanted a chance to say thank you. Well, it means a lot to me. Obviously my aspiration and my vow in doing this kind of work and, and cultivating these kinds of practices is so that people might be helped. And what you're saying is the kind of thing, sometimes I don't ever know 
that happens after we've met. And so it's it's really lovely and very nourishing uh, to know this. And I'm mostly glad that that uh, that you're in a, a, a different place where you, the love is flowing a little more easily now. Yes. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. I do. <laughs> Thank you. You too. And we're going to um, enjoy our chant to end now. One of the ways to open to each other and to step beyond um, some of the difficulties is to understand that we're caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. I apologize for the little glitch that I caused in the middle, um, but it gave me a chance to um, work with my own equanimity and, and learn, like I said to Alistair, what it was showing me. Uh, Jessica, are you there still? You have a final I word? Am. Yes, I am. Thank you. Thank you, Flint. Thank you, everyone, for joining. And thank you for um, allowing my interruption. <laughs> Appamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. And your support makes such a huge difference. There's a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. And we also just wanted to let you know that we've been hearing that there's some people that would really like a chance to kind of talk together like we used to do when we're putting on our shoes on the porch or standing in the kitchen. So we've started this after inquiry. It's for the next 30 minutes um, from now until 2 p.m. Central. And you can find the link for that on the Apamata website as well. Just go to the after inquiry link if you'd like to stop by and say hello. Thank you all so much.